the last few years have been, let's say, challenging for all of us. All of our systems, in every sense of the word, have been profoundly tested. And when it comes to technology, and in manufacturing businesses in particular, which have long relied on older legacy technology to serve their needs, I can't think of anyone who hasn't seen the systems they work with pushed to the limits, and in many cases, kept there for years and years on end. You can probably name several pieces of technology you work with, four, five, maybe more, that, well, they're not broken, but they've been running for several years without investment, and they've maybe seen better days. To put it simply, it's time to start looking at modernizing some of those systems and deploying infrastructure that can manage your modern team needs. But that's easy to say, a little harder to do. Updating that technology brings serious questions. Where do you start? How do you ensure your systems work seamlessly together? And how do you balance supporting your current business needs with updating that vital tech that is getting older by the minute? This is Transformation at Work, a podcast about real stories of business transformation and Salesforce success eh, without all the jargon attached. The show is brought to you by Jarrett, a summit-level Salesforce consulting and implementation partner and solutions provider, and I am Jeff Stormer, your host as always. This episode, we're talking about legacy system modernization and how businesses can ensure a quick and efficient update of their older technologies and the role that qualified technology partners play in bridging the gap between old and new. Our guest is David Vancina, strategic client architect at MuleSoft. As a leader in the integration and API space, MuleSoft makes its mission connecting technologies to create seamless cross-platform experiences. David has been the company's strategic client architect for the last four years, bringing 20 years of integration experience and almost 35 years of software experience to the role. As you can imagine, he has a passion and an expertise in integration and technology, specifically within manufacturing, and all of that makes him the perfect fit for our conversation. We begin our discussion by looking beyond the buzzwords and defining our terms by asking the question, what do we mean when we say legacy technology? Legacy is, first of all, a fairly loosely defined term. Uh, in a lot of cases, when you talk about legacy, people are thinking about older IBM technology, uh, mainframes and AS400 and so forth. I've had some experience with those, so I don't consider them to be terribly legacy. But if folks are unfamiliar, then they are. And in a lot of cases, people just aren't uh, aren't aware of the integration capabilities, for instance, that a, that one of those systems has. It all boils down to whether it's a you know whether it's an older IBM mainframe or a mid-range system or an older Unix system or a, a DOS PC sitting in the back with a dot matrix printer connected to it. It all boils down to something that we're just not investing anymore. It works, it's running, it does its job, but that's about it. And that's great. But when we start to talk about the industry changing and business processes needing to adapt, all of a sudden folks have to start touching those things that had just been working on their own for a while. And that's that's where the challenges come in. Let's dig a little deeper into some of these challenge areas. Let's say that I am a team leader and I'm working with a system that, you know, the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It ain't broken. I haven't fixed it in a while. What do you see as a few of the maybe not problem areas, but warning signs, red flags that a system, even if it is functioning, even if it isn't broke, uh, is due for a replacement for modernization so that uh, I, as a team leader in manufacturing, can identify those signs before it becomes something I need to fix, 
but rather so I have the opportunity to invest and improve my organization and put technology in place that more seamlessly integrates with the systems that I already have. Yeah, I I think a great example comes from some of the modern practices with respect to continuous integration and continuous development, CICD and DevOps, where there's a high tempo of system uh, change and regeneration going on. And one of the things that, uh, that I read recently that I thought was really smart is that if you can't rapidly rebuild a system, if you can't stand it up again from scratch, then you're going to be very hesitant to do anything to it. And one of the things that CICD and DevOps practices have done is encourage organizations to always be able to change. And these legacy systems that haven't been touched for a long time, people have forgotten how to how to operate them in some cases. Maybe, you know, they in extreme cases, you don't even have the code anymore. Um, in less extreme cases, it may just be unfamiliar technology that you don't have skilled people for, and mainframes are a great example of this these days. So it really comes down to, can I confidently change the way this system operates or this component in my system operates in order to adapt to new uh, new needs? And it's always a balancing act for, for manufacturers as well as any other type of organization between expenditures on maintenance and investments in, in, uh, in new capabilities. And just like on the shop floor, we have the same effects in IT. Uh, underinvestment in modernization um, leads to increased inefficiencies, unplanned downtime, increased maintenance costs. And those are all just one, one facet of the, uh, of the legacy system problem. And to your point, I think you know, when we're talking about can you rapidly change a system to suit your needs, Running into that feeling of, well, we can't change this because it's older, because we don't have the sort of uh, current toolkit for it. You know, it's going to take serious effort to change this thing, so we're hesitant to touch it. What I what feels like an inevitability is that something is going to happen in the world to force that change, and that feels like it's putting you as an organization in a difficult position. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And we don't have to look far to see examples. Uh, you know, it's it's almost become trite to talk about the pandemic because we've been dealing with it for over two years, but it's really, uh, it's really been the poster child for what happens if you can't change. The pandemic required businesses to change almost all of their processes in some cases and almost overnight. Um, all of a sudden, people couldn't come to work. We had to find ways of allowing people to operate remotely. Um, customers weren't willing to come and get products, so we had to find different ways of taking orders and allowing people to pay for them and getting their products to them. Yeah, I mean the the changes were were really forced on us. Now some of them, some of them have been good in that uh, you know now people are able to work remotely uh, in companies and situations where that just wasn't possible before. The pandemic was a forcing function to uh, create those those capabilities. But the legacy systems often stood in the way because legacy systems need to be able to be accessed uh, from from different locations now. Uh, the information and the business processes that they contain have to be exposed in different ways through websites and mobile uh, apps and other sorts of uh, other sorts of media. So those legacy systems were forced into uh, a change mode, whether anybody wanted them to or not. It was just no longer negotiable. So the question that really naturally follows that is, you know, what happens when this is the case? In your estimation, what happens to businesses that, 
you know, their technology is struggling to keep up with the current landscape, especially when things are as in flux as they are right now with COVID and supply chain disruptions. What happens when their technology is struggling and they don't have a really strong digital toolkit and a way to readily distribute data across their organization to the people that need it? How do these businesses react? What is their game plan? What have you seen out of businesses in this position? Sure. Well, at the executive level, the conversation started with, we need to change. And then IT was looked at to, to, to come up with solutions. And Legacy systems that hadn't been touched, that hadn't been exposed through interfaces, hadn't been made available as composable building blocks, simply couldn't be changed rapidly enough. And the answer for that, as it's often been in systems that can't change rapidly enough, is heroic efforts by smart people. Over time, um, people just figuring out how to do things on the fly, uh, a lot of paper, a lot of just reliance on, on individual heroism. And that is actually a good thing to sh for an organization to show that it has the people and the, the will to respond in that way. The problem is it's not sustainable because, you know, while people might get things done quickly uh, as a workaround uh, in, in the short term, over time, you're not going to be able to do that process consistently. And inconsistency frustrates customers as well as just costing more money. So you know, whether it's overtime or inconsistent quality or burnout, um, you end up talking about lost money, uh, lost people, and in some cases, even businesses just didn't survive. And to your point, in the best case scenario, that's a Band-Aid, right? Like what happens when you have that heroic employee that can step up and say, well, the, the systems that I have aren't giving me what I need so I can figure out the way around it. Like you might have the, the tools to manage the business right now, but what happens when they take a vacation? What happens when they take a new role? Like exactly, it, yep. it is it is it is setting those businesses up for failure because they're putting a band aid on a much larger thing. Does that sound right? Would you agree with that? That's totally right, and it's a, it's a similar uh, it's a similar problem to ones that that organizations have had in the past, where they're you know where they've got processes that aren't documented, and they're all you know if somebody wants to know how do we handle the ordering process, well they point to Cindy and say Cindy knows the ordering process. Exactly like you said, if Cindy wants to take a vacation or take a different job or retire or whatever it might be, that business process just walked out the door. Um, legacy systems, I talked earlier about the cost facet of, uh, of the legacy system problem, but in like fashion, business processes are often uh, hidden in those legacy systems as well. Uh, you know, hundreds or even in some cases, millions of lines of COBOL code running on uh, on an IBM mainframe that represent the way that orders get processed. If you can't break that process down uh, to separate the order intake from the inventory allocation to the transportation of goods to the billing, if you can't break that down into the individual steps, you can't possibly recombine them. Those processes are trapped in a black box, just the same as if they're, they're trapped in a person's head. Having systems that are malleable, components that can be recombined, and incidentally, when they're broken out as components, they can scale more effectively. They can you, You've got just lots more options. Uh, that's that's the strategic part of the the legacy system problem. One is just the cost. The other is the uh, the constraints that it puts on 
on running a business. There's a great customer example that um, you know that we saw here at uh, at MuleSoft with uh, an organization, Pilot Flying J. Anybody that drives a car on the interstate has usually seen a Pilot Flying J sign out there. Um, one of the things that they were able to do because they had invested previously in mining their systems for composability is when truckers all of a sudden weren't really willing or able to come into their facilities or wanted to spend minimal time or needed more curbside type services, they were able to recombine services that uh, allowed them to spin up mobile capabilities very rapidly and so forth. So it's just one great example of how uh how a, a modernized architecture, even if it's wrapped around some some older systems, older technology, gives you the ability to do things that you just wouldn't have otherwise. Now, let's dig into that a little deeper, because I think that I, I'd love to hear more about what are some of the other ways in which, you know, making that investment and really committing to modernizing your legacy systems and moving things into that modern digital space and building out the integrations to really support that can not only add value back to the business, but can help manufacturers adapt to changes in the business landscape and disruptions to the supply chain. The key is flexibility and adaptability. And I used the phrase earlier, composability. McDonald's is always a great example, right? Because they have historically been designed, a McDonald's restaurant is really designed as a little factory. It's a little manufacturing facility. You've got order intake up front, You've got somebody that's making fries. You've got somebody else that's making sandwiches. You've got the Coke machine. You've got all all of these things. And McDonald's intentionally uh, designs their restaurants and thinks about them as production facilities. If I've only got one person that knows how to make fries and one person that knows how to take orders and one person that knows how to make sandwiches, I don't have a lot of flexibility. I I can't move them around. Um, if I need more capacity on the on the sandwich uh, on the sandwich side, I can't just add more because there's only one person that does that, and there's no way to to add in another one. So systems that are that are monolithic in nature that can't be broken down that aren't composed. And in modern architecture, we talk about things like microservices, which is a way of addressing that. Service oriented architectures at MuleSoft, we talk uh, a lot about APIs and API architecture. Not because APIs are a new thing or unique to MuleSoft in any way, but because composability is a feature of good software engineering and APIs are are the core of that. So having made the upfront investment in APIs and in modernized architecture provides you with all of those benefits, scalability, performance management, resilience resilience to failure, uh, all of those sorts of things. Now, what David is talking about here is so important, and honestly, it's critical to talk about people here because any business, manufacturing or not, is going to live or die on the strength of its people. And technology, doesn't matter what kind, is there to serve the needs of those people. If your people are overworked or stressed or they're just losing time because they have to overcome the shortfalls of your existing legacy tech, Or if your organization just doesn't really function if Deshaun's not at his desk because Deshaun is the guy that knows how to manage the technology that helps you get your pricing agreements, those are clear cases where your organization is not operating at its peak efficiency, and those are very clear cases where your technology is failing your people. 
And that, at its most basic level, is the biggest thing that you need to be looking for in opportunities to modernize older legacy technology and move things in a more effective direction. Now, we've talked a lot about the benefits of modernizing your legacy technology. We've talked about the signs to look for in your systems that they might be due for an update. However, the question for a lot of businesses is how on earth do I actually do this? How do you fix the car while it's speeding down the highway, right? Like, how do you, as a team leader, update a piece of technology, transition to a new system, and ensure that it's seamlessly integrated into your existing ecosystem, all while still needing to rely on the very real business functions that that piece of technology provides? This is generally where the value of a technology partner really comes into play. Let's hear from David about how technology partners can help businesses and manufacturing balance their ongoing responsibilities with the deployment and implementation of new tech solutions. Just like in supply chains and manufacturing, the movement has been toward just-in-time inventory, lean manufacturing principles and practices, uh, not having lots of excess inventory uh, throughout the supply chain. Uh, IT organizations themselves are in much that situation as well. Uh, They've got exactly the staffing that they need and try to keep it really balanced closely to to the day-to-day needs. But when there's a spike somewhere, when you want to do some experimentation, when there's something new, there may not be the reserve capacity for that. So an experienced partner brings that reserve capacity, first of all. Um, Second of all, when you're talking about transformation process, you're you're almost by definition talking about uncharted territory, uh, meaning the organization hasn't been down this path before. So where a partner can bring resources, even more important, the partner can bring knowledgeable resources, people that have been down that path before and can bring methodology, techniques, uh, just experience for how to how to navigate the changes. And so, you know, we at MuleSoft see partners being incredibly valuable in that way uh, all across the spectrum from small customers to, to large. And speaking of MuleSoft, I want to I dig in a little deeper on this and ask, as team leaders make that move, right, and really start to push towards we have our existing system. We have our we have our trusty old car that runs, and maybe it's time to make the investment into something a little slicker and a little more modern. How can integrating software solutions through MuleSoft help team leaders bridge that gap between the existing legacy solutions, right? Because I don't think any business is going to transform their entire organization overnight. It's going to be a step-by-step process. So how can mm-hmm. how can MuleSoft help team leaders bridge that gap between legacy systems and these new modern digital solutions, and how can that help guide the modernization process? One of the things that I've been attracted to by MuleSoft's technology in the in the years that I've been here, and as I mentioned before, I've seen batch style operations and real real time business process management, and MuleSoft brings all that to the table, but wraps it in a philosophy that says it's got to be APIs. And this, to me, it just resonates with my software engineer uh, background, where it brings it allows us to bring good software engineering principles into the integration space, so that it's not just about moving data from one system to the other and trying to mash it up into a form that the target system will will uh, will not choke on, but it's about I'll often talk to customers and say, let's not talk about connecting things right away. Let's first talk about exposing things. 
exposing data, exposing processes in ways that can be accessed uh, independent of the, uh, the of the consumer. And once we've exposed things, now we can now we can recombine them. And so our methodology, our approach involves, first of all, exposing the data and the process resources from that legacy system or from that modern system, like, uh, you know, a modern ERP or CRM or whatever it might be. Often they've got APIs, but even those APIs differ radically from one another. And so creating a homogenous layer that everybody in your organization can understand and have some consistency and some control, that's the first step. Once we've got data and processes exposed, now we can begin to create and compose new orchestrations of those processes and data in order to meet new business needs. And in our world, we talk about those as system APIs and process APIs, and then there are experience APIs that tailor the use of those things to a a particular consumer. None of that really is all that important, but it's the idea of segmenting the architecture so that things aren't tightly coupled and so that they can be reused easily. Those are the things that that MuleSoft really has led on and and continues to to pursue and really in the vanguard. I think my final question for you. Flipping the script a little bit and and thinking about it, we've talked about like building out the platforms and we've talked about it from the technology partners. And if I am a team leader listening to this and I'm I'm seeing the warning signs, I'm I'm running into the roadblocks, I'm facing the headaches that come from, well, our system was good enough, so we didn't invest in it in a long time. And mm-hmm. I'm looking to make that shift and I'm looking to really start to push for that kind of modernization. What do you see as someone that has seen this process through a number of times? What do you see as my next step? How do I, as a team leader, really kickstart that process? First of all, is take an inventory. Uh, Understand what your systems are. More importantly, understand your key business processes. Every organization has, uh, has key business processes if you're if you're a pharmaceutical company, it's largely about establishing the technology pipe, you know, about developing the technology pipeline because they've got a 10-year cycle uh, or, you know, uh, lead time between the, a new discovery and being able to bring it to market as a, uh, as a marketable drug. So in the pharmaceutical industry, technology pipeline and clinical trial processes are, are hugely important. Um, other businesses uh, that are more consumer focused, uh, pr- uh, consumer packaged goods and so forth might be focusing more on marketing and retailing and customer targeting. Whatever your business is, understand what the key business processes are first. Understand what the metrics are that your executives care about in order to that, that they're using to measure the business and its performance. And then identify which of those processes you can begin to, improve that are going to change those metrics. And now your inventory of systems come in. Which one of those systems ties to those business processes? Are there one or a couple that are bottlenecks that we can start to break up and begin to put an API wrapper around them that will allow their data and functions to be exposed in different ways? Um, when you when you approach the problem in this way, you're starting from a business perspective, from an executive perspective, you're establishing some metrics that can be used to justify an investment that's going to return true value to the business. And then at that point, you're down to the execution phase. And that's where you're talking about technology and partners and people that have been there and done that that can that can help you execute. But 
establishing the right target first and one that people care about is is bedrock. After that, um, the actions will, will flow from there. David, thank you so much for your time today. This has been an incredible conversation. Any closing thoughts for our audience before we wrap up? We're all we're all looking forward to seeing things uh, loosen up and get back to uh, a little bit closer to normal. But uh, as uh, as everybody acknowledges, uh, the only normal is change. So we have to get ready, even in cases where we think that things are moving along uh, just swimmingly and, and that there's not a lot of change taking place. It is going to come. And so this is the area where, uh, where I enjoy focusing and where we uh, have been able to see a lot of success for customers that are, that are preparing to adapt. It's easy to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the reality, especially when you're dealing with tech and especially now in an industry as heavily in flux as manufacturing, it's a lot more complicated. Just because a piece of technology isn't broken doesn't mean it isn't straining your team's resources, their capacity, and their ability to adjust to the sorts of massive, often overwhelming changes that they've been asked to deal with in the last few years. Yes, it can be intimidating to look at your current systems and think about upgrading them or replacing them or eliminating workflows altogether, especially when you're juggling your current responsibilities at the same time. But, it can be a vital step in improving efficiency and quality of service, and with the right technology partner and the right integrations in place, it can be relatively quick, affordable, and a hassle-free process from beginning to end. This has been Transformation at Work. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to David Vancina from MuleSoft for his incredible insights throughout the conversation. Transformation at Work is, as always, produced by Jarrett in collaboration with Salesforce. I am Jeff Stormer, your host and producer. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify, or head to jaren.com to sign up for email updates when we release new episodes. Until next time, thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you again real soon.